Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first ever episode of Buddies, the Fantasy Football Sports Podcast. My name's David. And I'm Tubbs. Me and Tubbs, you know, we met way back when in college. I was getting some illegal beer for a friend. I went over to his house or his dorm room to, to deliver the illegal beer when I was 19 years old. And who answers but my good friend, now Tubbs. He's like, you want to come in and have one? I'm like, yep. And then the rest <laughs> is history, you know? So I currently live down here in the southeast in Charlotte. I am here with my wife and my squirrely little cat, Willow. Tubbs, what are you up to these days? Yep, I'm just uh, Texas two-stepping down here with uh, the old boots and a uh, top hat. And uh, as you know, obviously, fantasy football season is among us. And uh, that is the main focus for the next six months. So Heck yeah. So we are going to do, be doing this every week. Hopefully, we're going to be recording every Tuesday. We are currently together in a Dynasty League on Sleeper. It is the second season of the Dynasty. I started it back last year trying to get into something new. I was always into redrafts, and now we have a Dynasty League with a lot of our buddies. So we're going to be trying to go over some topics we think might help y'all who are listening, and probably the, the six people who are listening are our buddies. So that's the name of the podcast. <laughs> so we're going to start off. I'm going to do a little segment called Davo, Davo's Love Hate. Uh, Davo was my name back in college that everybody maybe hopefully fondly remembers me by, maybe not, uh, but now I go by David, but <clears throat> I'm going to go through some loves for the rest of the season from a dynasty lens, and also some hates from the dynasty lens, Try, trying to channel my inner Matthew Berry tubs, my inner Matthew Berry, who has now moved on, but I love Debo Samuel for the next couple weeks and for the, the rest of the season. couple reasons why. Eli Mitchell out. Tyrion David Price. Tyrion Davis-Price, he looks good. They draft him in the third round for a reason. However, Debo Samuel gets the carries. He is a wide back. He had 50-something rushing yards last week, 40-something receiving yards. He's going to be heavily involved in the offense. And you know what? Trey Lance is out now. You know who Jimmy Garoppolo has a lot of chemistry with from last year? Debo Samuel. Good old Debs. Good old Debs. So Debs is going to be doing pretty well for the next couple of years if you don't have him or next couple weeks, and for the rest of the year. If you don't have them, go find them. If you do have them, keep them. And guess what? I have them. So I'll keep them. Uh, another love for me is Amon Rossain Brown. Have you guys seen this guy play? Because I have, and he just he just passes the eye test. I don't know about you, Tubbs. What do you think about Amon? Oh, thunder feet, man. I mean, thunder. obviously not ground and pound, but, I mean, those suckers are moving. <laughs> I mean... And, uh, and going back to Deeps, too, I mean, where's he at as far as his age? Is he about five or six years in now? Or? He's 26. So, yeah, I think he's, like, in his fourth or fifth year. Okay, because for me, for Dynasty Lens, too, I mean, we look at shelf life of how long we expect a level of uh, productivity from someone and how long they can sustain that. Um, for me, Debo's, I think, got two or three years. I think he's got this year, next year, and I think you might actually see a drop-off. So, um, for me, as far as... Wide receivers, I would like to see a, a good five years that you can sustain that level. Right. Um, so for me, someone like Brandon Ayuk actually might even be um, someone as far as like a long-term investment. Um, but if you're thinking about having a team that can, like yourself, that's in a position to win these next two years, um, I do think obviously Debo will greatly outperform Brandon Ayuk where um, that's obviously the value short-term where I yeah. think if you're looking five to seven years, um, I think Brandon Ayuk will have that um, 
plateau with a little bit more longevity. I like I like the I like the call on Brandon Ayuk because last year we all know that he was in the doghouse early, but he kept going. He kept on being the number two receiver. He's back out there this year. He didn't fold. He didn't he didn't shrivel up. He he rose to the challenge. He knew that he had some things that he needed to work on and he's still out here and he's balling. So at the end of last year, Jimmy Garoppolo at the helm under center for the 49ers, he kept on making some good strides. So I think that yeah. that's a great call. He's only twenty three or Somebody fact check me on that. I'm pretty sure he's only 23, maybe 24, and I think that he could do a lot of stuff for a long ways to come. Debo is more. He just got a new contract, so that makes me a little bit hesitant to say that he's going to try to do his best because he's not out there competing and proving his the worth. Are a little bit more comfortable these days. He's a little <laughs> bit more comfortable, right? But. Also, he does have a lot, a little bit more wear and tear on the tires because he is going in there. He is taking some handoffs. He is getting hit. But right now, I think for the next year, if you got somebody who wants, who wants to win now, I think Debo's a good piece to have uh, in the lineup. Go, and going back to Amonra, eight targets in like ten straight games. It is crazy how that man can catch the ball, continue to run, field awareness is off the charts. And I think if you have Amon Ross St. Brown and you drafted him a couple of years ago, you're feeling mighty good about yourself moving Beautiful forward. Thing. One thing I wanted to ask you, Tubbs, what do you think about Jamison Williams coming into the fold? Is that going to limit Amon Ross's ceiling? Of course. I mean, coming off ACL, I mean, you certainly aren't expecting his first two weeks to really light it up. I mean, you certainly are expecting him to ease into action, and um, especially being a rookie as well. I mean, you... I mean, I'm assuming you're not going to throw him in chop block situations or anything <laughs> like that, or chipping down. But um, but as far as targets, I mean, the dude is just a lightning rod. I mean, in Alabama, I mean, I'm I'm assuming he was the fastest guy on the squad. Um, I don't know. I think Amon Rob really is actually going to benefit more like a Chris Godwin. Actually, um, I think you're going to see him in a lot more intermediates um, and not taking the top off as much and. Um, like people were expecting with Justin Jefferson coming out of college, being a slot guy. Yep. I think Amon Ra is going to be one of those interchangeables. You can play him inside out, and um, Jamison's going to be the Tyreek, and then um, I don't know <laughs> who would be the underneath person for Kansas City for that analogy, but um, I think you understand. Well, I guess Kelsey. There Kelsey, you go. Yeah, yeah, um, I think that. I think I think that's a lot of what you're going to see when Jamison comes into the fold. Is he's going to be you know the top off and. Amon Ross is going to gobble 10 to 12, you know, 15 to 20 yards out. And, I mean, like you said, as far as his footwork and uh, breakaway action, I mean, he, he separates himself. And I think his yards after catches, uh, what's what's going to give him, you know, that extra edge over somebody like um, even like, you know, Brandon Cooks, obviously, yeah. regard the age, but um, Brandon Cooks is going to be reliable and catch the ball. He's not going anywhere after it, so... Imagine um, if Tua can have can support two forty point fantasy games from Tyreek and Jalen Waddle. If Jared Goff can get both Jamison Williams, if he is as good as we think that he is, and I'm on Ross St. Brown, wouldn't that be <laughs> wouldn't that be a wild party in Detroit? That's, what do you think about that? That's the difference, my dear friend, Mr. Davo, is that <laughs> you gotta remember who's the supplier. Oh, and yeah, right. <laughs> Wobble ducking dog Goff is just not gonna get it done. Yeah. I just I'm still super hesitant because I think the run game is really where it all starts. When DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams really get that team going and they open up the scoreboard, I mean, obviously the Lions defense can't stop a bloody nose. I mean, they're just <laughs> trash. But I mean, as far as as far as far our offense goes, I think 
these first two weeks have been refreshing as far as having them come off hard knocks and, you know, really show their, their lion pride, if you will. Um, <laughs> I guess, like I said, I think once, once their run game gets a little bit more tampered down, um, I think the golf woes are going to show its rear rear end because yeah. we all know what happened in, um, with the Rams too. Once Todd Gurley deflated, Okay. Uh, so, did, so did Jared Goff. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And we'll talk about DeAndre Swift more in the rest of the show. I'm going to go to my third love-hate now. And my third love of of Dynasty for the foreseeable future is Joe Mixon. Now, Joe Mixon is, old, is a little bit older on the running back spectrum. But mm-hmm. according to advanced statistics, he was on the field for 70 snaps each of the last two weeks. You cannot talk about anything more than elite usage than Joe Mixon. Samaj P. Ryan's not seeing the field. No. Chris, Chris Evans is not seeing the field. Samaj P. Ryan no. caught a couple passes, but they come when Samaj P. Ryan comes into the game, it's because they're gonna they're, they're gonna toss it to him. They're gonna toss it to him for, for, a, for I mean, Joe Mixon's for just skin. gassed, and, and Joe Mixon is gassed because he's out there for so many snaps. Joe Joe Burrow's not not doing too hot in the beginning. They're zero two. Joe Mixon is a horse, and if they get ahead and they start playing the, like they did last year as Super Bowl uh, participants, he could get a lot of touches. We're talking Derrick Henry-level touches. If they're up by two oh, touchdowns they're going into the second quarter, Joe Burrow's turning around and handing it to that guy. He can pick up yep. – maybe his, his average isn't elite. It's not over five, but he can get you four yards, and he can continue to go. He's good out of the backfield. And he is somebody that you could really, really use on your team if you're competing now in Dynasty or Redraft. But mm-hmm. I really love him for the rest of the year. I, he hasn't been hurt in a while. He plays all the time. He's a he, he's a go-getter. I'm, I'm a big fan of Joe Mixon the rest of the year. What about you? And as far as volume, like you're saying, there's maybe six to eight guys you can say are 20-plus touch guys in the league now. Yep. Um, I mean, discarding, obviously, Alvin Kamara being out with the ribs and everything. But, I mean... David Montgomery, my gosh. I mean, obviously, you know, I have him on my squad, yep. and it's the sheer reason of value. Yep. He is the giant turd pile. He can't do anything <laughs> <laughs> except apparently against the Packers. Yeah. But, I mean, dear God, I mean, what did he have? 17 carries for 27 yards? I mean, dude, I know the offensive line in Chicago is dreadful, but, like, it, it, it just goes back to, yes, I was in love with David Montgomery two years ago when he really showed that he had that top 10 potential and – uh, he was getting the volume, and going back to kind of the trifecta of grading a player, for me it's, you know, obviously opportunity, which is volume, uh, the squad that you're on, and then um, really just kind of the it factor. I mean, are you a good player? Well, unfortunately you're not a very good player, and your team sucks. Therefore, your volume doesn't really matter a whole lot other than it's enough to give you a floor. And um, for me, that's why structuring a team – I think I've I've played it a lot safer than most people have because I want that you know the good floor and if there's that little bit of pop of like someone like Mike Williams that I added you know on my squad this year for that reason, um, if you just have a bunch of flatliners, you'll probably be about 500, but you're never really going to advance in your league. I don't feel like you really need those um, you know Deshaun Jacksons and um, I guess this year's like uh, Rashad Bateman's or even Duvernay honestly um, has been surprising some people. Um, so I guess leaving it at that, yeah, that's just as far as layering the cake to make sure you, uh, have a recipe for success. That's, you know, 
you got to have the floor, but you also need to have the pop-offs, I believe. So There have been 59 carries. I just brought up the stats here. 59 carries by the Cincinnati Bengals over the first two weeks. Joe Mixon has 56 of those attempts. <laughs> and Joe Burrow has the other two, and Samaj Pierre has, has one. one. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what the breakdown is. Yeah. So, yeah, he's averaging three three a carry. Okay, that's trash. It's terrible. He has a th- he has a long of 31, so he's cracked he cracked off a fourth, damn near a fifth of his rushing attempts on one. But so it's just almost there. like in the situation of trading low. I mean, if you're obviously you have Mixon, so I know you're probably not that interested. I'm not, I don't have Mixon. Oh, you don't? No, that's Gabe. Okay. Shout out to G- GQ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I just lost to him because the stupid Tennessee Titans gave up negative 15 <laughs> points. But yeah, so I mean, Mixon, I think, I think, I think the floor is so high for him, mm-hmm. and once his average carry um, yards per carry goes up, he's re- he's really going to be an asset moving forward. In, yeah, in, in, in dynasty or redraft. So let's move on to some hates. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go through all three of these hates. I'm gonna give Tubbs a chance to rebuttal. Maybe maybe he doesn't like some of these. <laughs> maybe maybe maybe, maybe he's a fan of some of these. I know one of them he's gonna agree with me on. All right, the the the, the number one, which might get a lot of hate from the people who are listening, all the buddies out there. But I'm gonna hate Derrick Henry for the rest of the year. Yeah. Derrick Henry looks old. He looks slow. He's coming off a of Liz Frank. He looks bad. Okay, he moved. I, I was I was going up against him last night, and so I was watching the game. He had like I don't, I think he had like thirteen carries for twenty five yards. He fell in the end zone, which which salvaged. A, a, it's still disappointing. He only had seven. He only had seven fantasy points, but he looks old. He looks slow. He's stopping his feet at the line of scrimmage. He's just he's just falling over like a big timber tree. Okay, Derrick Henry has been good for a very long time. I wouldn't even be surprised next week if he went 30 carries for 200 yards. I really wouldn't because you have the track record that Derrick Henry does. However, the eye test from the last couple of weeks have been very, very bad. Maybe he's better as the year goes on, right? Maybe maybe he just needs to get his feet under him. He's coming off that injury. The, the, the offense is kind of reworking itself. But Dontrell Hilliard is no joke, okay? He's hurt last week, but he's no joke. He's got He's got pop you know he can hit the hole derrick henry's fallen into the hole okay derrick so, henry looks bad <laughs> there was the day i actually picked up dontrell hillard who was actually in free agency uh over the summer there was a softball event that derrick henry was at and it was very reminiscent of one very cheeseburger eddie lacy <laughs> yeah right it wasn't that he was out of shape but dude he just looked sluggish yeah like there's not there's no way of really Obviously, having any obviously, I tested like all the way he ran down to the first baseline. Like it wasn't anything in that regard, but just the way he even just like walked up the plate, you're like, gosh, you just look lethargic, dude. And I mean, going back to of course David Montgomery as well, the offensive line is trash. I mean, Taylor Lewan hurt again. Again. Um, I just I think Tennessee extracted all they could the last two years. They somehow got the one seed, I think, both years, actually, the last two years. And they just, they're just not really built to, going back to the floor, they're a really well-rounded coach, pretty disciplined team. I don't think they give up a lot of penalties, but they just don't have enough to get moving. They're just very stagnant and obviously one-dimensional with 
Derrick Henry for the last five years and the trains, you know, <laughs> out of coal. Like, I mean, yeah. it's just not chugging anymore. He's 28. Okay. If you're, if you have him on a dynasty league and you think that you can, you can sell high still because of the name, I recommend yeah. you do it. And not specifically talking to Trigger Figure Tanner here. What would you, uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> what, would you, <laughs> what would you say his value is? Cause I think you could still get like two first and a somewhat, early bench player. I think you could I think you could get I would trade away a couple second rounders. Okay. Now if you can get a first rounder next year, you should take that at the snap of a hat. You know what I mean? I think you should just straight up for one first rounder? I think so, man. Really? Yep. I think so. I think that if you're looking at running backs historically, how many how many running backs get past thirty years old? Oh, I mean, very, four. Very, very few. Four, I mean, Adrian Pearson, right. LaDainian Tomlinson, okay. Right. So that means that you have two years of frustrating Derrick Henry when, right. if you have a beginning pick, you can have one of the top four running backs that are coming out in a stacked class. I don't think. So other than Kenneth Walker, Brees Hall, who was next? Cook? Was it Cook? No, it was Ken Walker. It was... Greece, it was yeah, maybe you're I right. But close. this year, but this year, this upcoming year's draft. And then Rakad bit... White, and then Rakad White, I think was in the mix. Yeah, but this upcoming year is a little bit more more intriguing, I think, from a running so, back I... perspective. So if you get a first round pick, and it's in the first half of your draft next year, would you take? Mm-hmm. Would you rather have Derrick Henry and ride out the train, knowing that every week he might go down in value, or would you take the first-round pick and reboot for, for the next five years? See, so I guess the way that I'm looking at it is because I have Leonard Fournette, and it's that same situation. He just signed a three-year contract. Yeah, he was a big tub of lard when he came into camp, but, he I mean, he's running hard. Yeah, no, um, yeah, I mean, I think so I think Lenny is looking it's different. That situation though. where I – I think that obviously the Buccaneers' offensive line is going to be better. Yes, Brady's not going to be there probably next year or two years from now while he still rides that out. But I look at Lenny, and even if he's even if he's running back thirty, if he's running back twenty seven, yes, the freshness of of a new set of legs and maybe having a longer life shelf and you know being able to turn that page. I just, I guess for me, it goes back to the um, the the steady and durability factor of you kind of know what you're getting. If it's a twenty percent knockoff of going from a top ten to a, a top twenty five running back, I, I'm okay with that fall off. Okay. Um, and I think in I think in two or three years, I mean, I know for me, that's why I'm just trying to rank up all these late draft picks because I know the way that I'm drafting, it's not necessarily I think the quality of the player. Maybe I think it's the quality of the situation. So going back to how I drafted Zamir White. Well, I knew they were pissed off about Kenyon Drake's contract. They didn't want that on their books, so I knew he was going to get cut, and I knew John, Josh Jacobs didn't get his option. So why did they draft this kid? Because he's about to ball out in the next five years. That's why. Right. So now, number so one, I'm not valuing that back then, yes, <laughs> but I've seen it now, definitely. B. John Robinson is the number one unheralded number one pick for next year. He's going to be the new Heck Brees yeah. Hall. He's from Texas. Yep. You got Travion Henderson, who's over at OSU. You got Jameer Gibbs. You got Zach Evans. I don't know him much from TCU. He's ranked high. Tank Bigs. But what happens when they go to they go to the Jets? They go to because I mean, 
Garrett Wilson looked great. I'm not going to knock Garrett but, Wilson. But what if you? I'm but what if you get up. another guy who like Najee who goes into a situation where it starts right away? Maybe maybe Las Vegas. Maybe Zamir White Definitely. isn't as good as we thought. Josh Jacobs is out, and then you get B. John Robinson. Right in in Vegas, and it's like you know game. The, right. No, and that's very true. That's very very true. I was trying to think of the scenario where like. I mean, they kind of did it with Rex Burkhead and Damian Pierce this year. Sure. I still think Damian Pierce is obviously going to be the, the horse of getting For sure. 12 to 15 touches. For sure. But I do think Burkhead is going to get almost all of the receiving. He'll snipe. He'll, he'll snipe yeah. for sure. It's all about the talent that's coming up in the draft. However, I said, just for argument's sake, Derrick Henry for a first-round pick. You, in the beginning of the segment, said two first-round picks. Yep. Let, let, let's go right in the middle. What about a first in 2023 and a second in 2024? You just said that you love, you know, those kind of later round picks because you think that you have really good if – if an owner has really good talent on watching the college game, knowing who comes, and then identifying a situation that a player is put in when the draft time comes, like perhaps a Najee, would you take yep. a first and a second next year for, for Derrick Henry? Do you think that would be more fair? Right and yeah, not even a question. You would absolutely yeah. take that nine sure. out of nine times. <laughs> <laughs> what a great number to use of a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the next the, the next person on the hate list is going to be the Giants wide receiver room. Okay. There's there's too many guys. There's nobody separating themselves. Kenny Galladay is absent. Um, <laughs> Still Sterling, making thirty million a year. Sterling Shepard is technically the number one wide receiver. He's not making any huge splashes. You know, this, and David Sills is over Kadarius Tony right now. Kadarius Tony was on my team. I'm going to, I'll say a personal little note to Kadarius Tony. It was fun. It was a nice experiment. I just traded Kadarius <laughs> Tony about three hours ago for a second round pick in 2023. I'm pretty stoked about it. I think that's pretty huge. Good. I'm pretty, I, I think that's a Who pretty, was the victim? A pretty good value. Uh, shout out to John Cusick. I, yeah, I, I, I wish you best of luck uh, with Kadarius. He's very frustrating. Um, he's on the field very sparingly. And he had one game last year where he went absolutely bananas. And we're still kind of banking and waiting for that to happen again. I'm not sure that it's ever going to happen again because of not the coaching. Chance. Because of his injury proneness. Because of his attitude. And because of the overall vibe of the New York Giants right now. Especially if Daniel Jones continues to be the quarterback. I don't think that his ceiling is or floor is worth a second round pick. So I'm glad that that, that happened. But the whole Giants wide receiver room. I think that Saquon Barkley is going to not only dominate the offense script when he's healthy, but he's going yep. he's gonna to get a healthy chunk of the receptions as well. Daniel Jones can't throw 10 yards down the field. So he's, yep. he's checked down Charlie, um, and I think that uh, anybody in the Giants wide receiver room is pretty much a wash at this point for me. And moving forward into the dynasty, if they decide that they're going to go out and get a top five guy next year in the draft, I still am going to be sure. down on him. I'm still going to be down on him, even if he's got the most talent in the world. Which means, you know, where do they, where do these um, good prospects fall? I don't know if you feel the same way, Tubbs, but Giants wide receiver room, I'm totally out on. Like you said, I mean, <laughs> I was going to bring this back up with Amon St. Brown or Amon Ross St. Brown. Pardon me. Um, do you think Jared Goff's going to be in Detroit in two or three years? I don't because think so. so. This is the reason why I was going to pump the brakes on him for long term. I think. For the next two years, he's got to be a lock. I mean, the dude just has way too much talent. But you know who else they said had a lot of talent this year and is out of really poopy passing team? Is Mr. Darnell Mooney. Oh, How yeah. high were people on him? Oh, 
Darnell Mooney. And it goes back to the supplier. I mean, yeah, Daniel Jones, you're done. Um, I like Wondell Robinson. I mean, that was the whole reason why Kadarius Tony got benched is because they were like, you're a turd face. We, we like this kid. We didn't draft you. We don't want you. So sorry, Kusik, on losing a second round pick for nothing. But um, yeah, it just, like I said, I I like Amon Ross St. Brown. And like I said, it just goes back to the supplier. I just don't think Jared Goff, once the running game gets haltered, is is, is going to produce. Um same thing. The whole NFC East, I mean, I'm not sure if there's a wide receiver in that entire division. I love Scary Terry, but honestly, Jahan Dotson, um, Curtis Samuel, Wentz is going to, of course, do what he's done the last two years as well. A.J. Brown, my guy. A.J. Brown. And see, you're going back to the consistency. I think A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, and Goddard, there's just so many other options, and I just think Hurts likes to run it more. I just, I don't know. I got to see it to believe it. That's fair. And Miles Sanders looks good, bro. I know that you're poop-cooling on mm-hmm. Miles Sanders, but the, ta- the talent is there, though. But the yeah. but the system and the history of injuries is, is bad. I, I think Tubbs is the lowest on Miles Sanders anybody I've ever talked to on Absolutely. Miles Sanders. Not even a question. I don't think anything's gonna gonna phase. But that was also like I mean, Corey Clement was somehow in that mix. Boston Scott was still lingering around. I mean, they had like five running backs. Gainwell. But um, yeah, as far as the hates, I mean, does that kind of wrap it up? As far as who you're not. uh, Got one more here. Got one more here. Sorry, I was uh, taking a sip of my (laughs) beverage here. Um, Antonio Gibson. Okay. Um, Oh yeah. Now. I hate Antonio Gibson for so many different reasons. And he's on my own team, okay? I can't get rid of the guy. I can't get rid of him. There's no chance that I get rid of him, so he's stuck on my team. But Antonio Gibson had a great week one. I wish that I would have had an offer for him after week one. He came back down to earth in week two, 14 carries, 28 yards. He fell into the end zone somehow, but he he got three straight rushes at the goal line from the two and couldn't push it in. Okay, Brian Robinson got shot in the knee, and he's going to be the immediate number one r- running back when he gets back, which yeah. could be as soon as week five. He went on the pu- he went on the pup list, but he could be eligible as, as early as week five. And there's uh, no structural damage or anything as far as ligaments and anything nope. like that. No nope, straight through the flesh. J.D. McKissick is a better wide receiver or a better receiving back than Antonio Gibson, even though Antonio Gibson is a wide receiver. Uh, Convert from punt returner during preseason, wasn't he? College, yeah. He was, he, was, he, was, he was taking punt returns. Antonio Gibson is the biggest sell low you have ever seen in Dynasty. He's only 24, he might be able to turn it around, but he's given he's been given every opportunity possible within the commander's offense. Um, well, who's the coach over there? Yeah, um, Coach Rivera. Rivera. Rivera loves somebody who doesn't fumble and who can be steady and consistent. Yep. That's not what Antonio Gibson is. If he fumbles one time in the next four weeks, he's going to be on the bench for good. I yep. I am convinced. He is on an extremely short leash. If you have Antonio Gibson in redraft or in da- dynasty, Gone. Tra- trade him yesterday. Okay? Trade him <laughs> yesterday. And Tubbs, based on your comments throughout this, I don't think we need to say much more about it. So let's just go right into the Tubbs Tell em Tales. This is the segment that is very <laughs> exciting. Tubbs is going to talk to you about the reaches that he has and, and, and players that might be a little bit down on, on ADP or uh, lower on the projected ratings on your favorite fantasy football app that he thinks 
you could really benefit by picking up today or in the near future. Absolutely. Thanks, Davo. And we'll start with, honestly, my deep diver from our original draft. I think I got him in the 17th or 18th round. Holy buckets. Mr. Eno Benjamin. Eno. Um, yes. When Daryl Williams showed his face on the practice field, people made a hoopla of like, oh, this guy's going to be the backup, blah, blah, Yes, he's still going to split with Eno for the upcoming weeks that James Conner's going to miss. But... I think, obviously, with the history and just, like I said, the eye test, I think he's just more bursty. I think he can just uh, do more in the open, and I, that's what they're going to give him is space. And um, I think from here on out, like I said, through Dynasty, I think they're done with James Conner after this year, um, especially if he is out for more than even, say, three or four games. And um, if the Cardinals look the way they've looked, you know, for three and a half quarters of every game and then somehow pull it together in the last five minutes. <laughs> right. but, um, but yeah, so Eno is, is definitely uh, my guy for this year and then moving forward. You think um, he can they, serve uh, the same role as Chase Edmonds, only better? That's that's exactly it. Nice. Yeah, Clingsbury, I think I actually really liked Chase Edmonds. I just think they ended up investing too much money in Connor and that's why they had to split, split ties with him. But sure. Um, but then, yeah, next up is good old Zay Jones. Um, like we had talked about before, I mean, 90% of the time, Jaguars are undraftable, uh, unteamable un for, uh, for the old beast of pandas. Because um, <laughs> obviously they're not pandas, they're little little lion cats of the jungle, and they're just, you know, not very scary most of the time. So Zay Jones, though, um, Christian Kirk is going to be gobble monster. He can get his 13 targets a game. That's perfectly fine. Yep. But... Just like when uh, young Allen Robinson was in Jacksonville and Blake Bortles had to chuck it in the fourth quarter because they're down by 20 points, Zay Jones is going to be garbage time. Um, so I can't, I can't remember the exact stats, but I think it was in like the last five minutes he got three targets, 60 yards and a touchdown, something like that. And so um, if you're looking for someone that, you know, you see two minutes left in a game, the guy's got, you know, 2.1 points and all of a sudden he gets up to 10. Yep, that's Zay Jones. He thinks you think that he can kind of fill the role of the first person that I come that comes to mind for me is actually his teammate now, Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones exactly. had a lot of garbage time touchdowns back a couple years ago when he was with the Lions. And yep. he really got on the same uh, wavelength with Matthew Stafford. And I think the reports that I see is that Zay Jones has a really good chemistry with Trevor Lawrence. He didn't have yeah. a whole lot of targets this year, but he, you think that he can potentially be a great flex moving forward. And like I said, maybe not this week, maybe not even two, three weeks from now, but just as you said, as the season weighs on, I think if the Jaguars especially are competitive in games too, I mean, I Doug Peterson has some Kool-Aid of some sort because obviously they look way different than they look under uh, Two-Finger Urban or whatever Urban's his name a, was. But, uh, Urban's a chotch, dude. <laughs> oh, I mean, I have no idea what the facility costs, but like, how did you convince in order to drop three-plus billion and produce three wins. <laughs> like that's a that's a bad investment, right? But sure. anywho, I mean I Trevor Lawrence is just an iffy too. I'm just trying to think who I would compare him to as far as like maybe even Baker, his first two years were like, okay, you know, he gives receivers enough fantasy relevancy and they're good enough where they're competitive, but like 
it's just kind of stale. Like, I just don't know if Trevor actually is that guy. Like, I don't think he'll ever be a top 10 fantasy quarterback, actually. I think he'll linger right around 12 to 14, and that's that's who he is. Cool. Who's your third? Oh, let's see here. For the old snoozy poos, we got Brashad Perriman. Ooh. So we all knew this was going to happen to the old rusty, trusty Buccaneers of, of retirement homes. Um, good old Brashad, though. I think he was actually on the squad last year and got hurt. Um, yep. But when they originally brought him from Baltimore, I believe, um, I know Tom Brady was just jazzed. Um, it was kind of very Julio-esque where he was like, hey, this is actually going to be a guy I go to early and often. Um, I think the two games that they played with each other last year, I think he did average like 13 or 14 fantasy points. Um, so obviously with how their condition is right now, honestly, between Perriman or Scooty Miller, I think are going to be two people that are uh, going <laughs> to make something happen for the Bucks. well the old man, uh, recover and get off suspension. So, All right, you heard it here first. Eno Benjamin, Zay Jones, Brashad Perriman, pick him up if you can. Put him into your lineup when necessary, and we'll see what happens. Check back with us in a couple weeks to see how the hell that turned out. And, <laughs> Complete flop fest. Whoops. But, no, I, I totally understand. I think Zay Jones is more of a play for this year. I think Brashad Perriman is more of a play for this year, and Eno Benjamin is a play for the future. So I really think sure. that all of those – all of those players really could help a lineup depending on what your current situation is. Let's go into some dynasty trade options. This is going to be specifically for dynasty. We're not talking about redraft. We're not talking about for win now. We're talking about for the future. We're talking three to five years down the road. Who would you rather have? The first one is interesting. This is strictly overall value, like you said. Overall value in a vacuum, one-to-one. We're not talking about my specific team, your specific team, Gabe's specific team, Michael's specific team. We're just talking about in a vacuum, who would you rather have for the next three to five years? The first option is Amon Ross St. Brown or Stefan Diggs. I'm going to go first and I'm going to say I give the edge to Stefan Diggs. However, I'm going to say in a caveat that Amon Ross St. Brown is younger. He's as sometimes as explosive and sometimes even more impressive to the eye test for me than even Steph Diggs. However, Steph Diggs is only 27, 28 years old. I think he's got at least three more years left of high-quality targets. He reminds me of Steve Smith Jr., or Steve Steve Smith Sr., excuse me, because he has that fire. He has that, Mm -hmm. I don't give a shit what you think about me. I'm going to go out here, I'm going to ball out, and I don't care how the hell old I am. I'm going to keep on making my body do well. I've got a great offense. I've got a great quarterback who loves me. I am just a boss, and we saw that last night. I mean, if you saw Stefan Diggs last night with his three-touchdown performance, you were just like, wow. In our, in our uh, Dynasty Sleeper League, people and league owners were commenting on how badass he was. He was looking great. He had oh, yeah. damn near 20 targets. He had 13 catches. He had three touchdowns. I can't, with good moral compass... Say I'm on Ross St. Brown when Steph Diggs just went out there and, and showed the world that he is still there. And I think he will be there for a couple more years. What do you think, Tubbs? I mean, of course, right there with you. I mean, safe Steffi is, of course, exactly where I'm going as well. Um, just because, literally, like I said, I don't think Jared Goff is going to be the quarterback of the Lions in two years. Um, and going back to shelf life, I mean, that's a huge hindrance or factor variable that plays into um, his success. And um, you know, Josh Allen is going to be a part of the squad. Uh, Steph Diggs, I think, just signed, was it a three- or four-year extension? I think so. Uh, so, I mean, like I said, for me, 
if you know you have somebody that's top five, top 10 right now, and you predict three years of that sustainability, to me, that's that's kind of the pocket of how long I want to have turnover for my squad in a, in a dynasty league. Um, so like you said, someone like that, you have like Javante Williams right now. Um, yeah, I mean, he's going to be solid for five, six years. Do you go with someone like, I know I'm skipping ahead with... Uh, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> um, come on, come on, yeah. you're, you're taking over but, our but then, but, but then in like transitioning to Cook, like yeah. to me, that's, that's where you see the difference of value where, I mean, Cook, is his tread is different than Steffi's. I mean, Steffi Diggs is going to be Steffi Diggs. That, that wide receiver performance doesn't drop off the way running back performance does. What would you trade for Stefan Diggs in a dynasty league right now? Based on what I'm seeing from um, my favorite um, trade analyzer and ranking app is that Stefan Diggs is 13th overall. Okay, He's right in between Saquon Barkley and Najee Harris. Would you trade away Barkley or Harris for Diggs? Because personally, personally, I think that running backs are more important. So, gosh, that is – that's brutal. Najee, I'm a little more interested than Saquon um, just because I believe in Tomlin more than I believe in any Giants coach that's going to be there for the next five years. Um, <laughs> golly, I can't believe he's – that's the – who's 14 or 15? So, Saquon's 12, Diggs is 13, Najee is 14, and Pittman is 16. See, okay, and that – man, that's that's – Pretty, br- I don't know. Like, maybe, maybe it, a better comparison is Stefan versus Pittman because of the age difference and the uh, upside of Pittman. See, for me, like, I guess I'm looking at like AJ Brown would be who I would probably trade for. Okay, okay. Um, gotcha. because you're kind of seeing the early success of where he's at with Philly right now. You would believe that Jalen Hurts, is, if he gets to the playoffs this year, is probably going to get. You know, a four year, you know, four year, hundred and fifty million dollar contract. So I think there's enough security there. Um, I think honestly, the rest of his team complements him. I mean, having Devonta take some coverage away, having Goddard, I think is honestly good just for the fact that he'll move the chains. So even if he does eat some of the targets, I think AJ Brown's a huge end zone target. So I think him being able to move the ball um, actually helps AJ's touchdown production. Um, I don't know what the age difference is between them, but Golly, I can't believe that Pittman is... Because, I mean, you would, you would take A.J. Brown over Pittman, wouldn't you? I would take A.J. Brown over Pittman for sure, yeah. Okay. And that's why the rankings, I mean, that's goofy to me. Because, like I said, I don't necessarily trust Najee knowing his knees are busted. Um, yeah. And then Saquon, same thing. I love the talent, but it's, it's health. I, it's something yeah. that high. You don't, you don't lose, or you don't, yeah, you don't win your league in the first round, but you definitely lose it. And that that just kind of that just kind of goes back to if you're redrafting, um, or just even overall value. I mean, I just I just wouldn't invest that much into a three to five year plan with Najee or Saquon over Stephon Diggs, even over Pittman, even by those goofy rankings. Because going back to it, who's the Colts quarterback in three years? <laughs> right, right. And it could be, and it could be some other scrub that they continue to bring in that's old, and they think that they're going to compete, or they might finally get some some guy if they tank hard. Another enough, Andrew Luck, like uh, maybe they get Arch Manning. 
Well, that, that, that's, for, that's for another podcast. We're going to go into the next Ooh. one. It's Javante Williams versus Dalvin Cook. Tubbs already kind of prefaced this before. I'm taking yep. Javante all day. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking Javante all day. It's not even close. Yeah. Dalvin Cook is getting close to the hill. He might be coming down the hill. And he, ha- he just hasn't looked very explosive over the last couple weeks, including last night against the Eagles in Philly. So are you taking Javante or Dalvin? I mean, like you said, I mean, after second glancing, like, I, I don't know why we even had this as a, as a discussion point. We may have wasted two people's minutes of their time. All but, right, so, uh, so let's switch it up. Let, let, let's go back to these <laughs> rankings. But, but I do ha- I do have a counter, though. Sure. Um, would you do Kyle Pitts and Garrett Wilson for um, Javante? Javante? Immediately. Kyle? Immediately. You would do that without, without question. If somebody offered me Kyle Pitts and Garrett Wilson for Javante, I'd take it yesterday. You would? Yeah, for sure. Okay, so this goes back to, I guess, as far as how I'm weighing and structuring a team. Tight ends to me are a dime a dozen. Okay. You're going to find three super unknown tight ends almost every single year. The person this year for me is that dude from uh, Minnesota. I can't remember his name right now because, obviously, I had no idea who the hell he was, except for I've seen him the last two weeks. <laughs> Jake, maybe not Jake. I, I'm I'm not even going to swing for it. But but the tight end for Minnesota the last two weeks, um, yeah, you're you're scoping it. I'm scoping it. Yeah, I <laughs> please, am. Please save me. Get the lifeguard out. <laughs> I'm not I'm not seeing him, bud. I'm not seeing yeah. him. Um, that's how I, that's how unknown he is. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I, I don't see him. But, yeah, you, you, you make a good point because, for example, on the rankings that I'm currently looking at, Michael, My- Michael Meyer from Nor- Notre Dame is the number one rated tight end right now for Debbie rankings coming into this year and is going to be draftable in the upcoming draft. He's currently 12th overall in the college rankings, tight end number one. And uh, he is, from all accounts, when I see Notre Dame play, he seems like he is a professional-type tight end. You know, he's not doing yeah. a whole lot of blocking. He's, he, he's, doing, he's doing blocking, and he's doing good against the tackles. However, he goes out and does routes about 50% of the time. So that's just a good example of, you know, maybe this is a replacement ad. But for me, Kyle Pitts is still 21, okay? Yep. Going back to, going back to um, college, He's out here balling at Florida. We know he can catch the ball. We know he can write, run routes. He's lean. He's mean. He's a fighting machine. Marcus Mariota is his quarterback, right? So, again, you always say who's delivering the football. However, if they get somebody in there, they make a trade, they, they do a draft, and they can go together and grow together, that is, is huge. You know, there's no Calvin Ridley anymore. It's Drake London. It's Kyle Pitts, and he is so young. And we talk about this all the time. How many years does he have left? This guy could play 15 more years in the league. We don't know. He's a great. He's in great shape. And if you're telling me that a Javante Williams who has maybe five to seven years of shelf life left, yeah, he's going to score more points per, per year. But if you can get Garrett Wilson, who's 21, and Kyle Pitts, who's 21, those shelf lives are longer. And barring a huge injury, that's a lot more upside for me than one riding back. And, like, you you – uh, made my point just beautifully as far as Elkland uh, stating it that way because the comparison I was doing was, of course, having the Russell Wilson-led offense or the youth and talent of, obviously, Pitts and, and Wilson. Um, and like I said, for me, Jets, I just don't know if I've ever drafted a Jets player, to be honest. I really don't know if they've ever they've ever made the squad. Um, but, but Kyle Pitts is... is 
unworldly. I mean, he he is one once in a generation. Um, I really think he's pretty much LeBron if he would have ended up playing football. Um, <laughs> but but uh, let's talk about Garrett for a second because everybody was tooting Eli Moore's horn for good reason. He looked good last year before the injury. Okay. Yep. So. Joe Flacco's old turd butt comes back and beats whoever they beat last week. And, Brownies. Yeah, the Browns. And Garrett Wilson, two touchdowns, a bunch of targets. Eli Moore was kind of an afterthought. And if Garrett Wilson is already doing this in the second week, yeah, I don't think that's an aberration. You know, everybody was on Traylon Burks, except, especially me. And he's come out here, and we're stoked that he has six targets. Garrett Wilson's out here catching 10 balls, 120 yards, and two touchdowns. That's nothing to sneeze at. The guy's young. And once you have a quarterback that comes in that you can grow together, I'm not saying Zach Wilson is Joe Montana, but at the same time, they can grow together, learn together. I really think that that the upside can't really go back. Right now, Javante's splitting carries with Melvin. I mean, that's not going to happen forever. But if I got offered that trade right now, I would take it for sure. I just, it goes back to, of course, like, you, do you think Zach Wilson is the answer? Because it's, it's kind of honestly like the Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo thing. I think Brandon yeah. Ayuk and Debo Samuel's stock went up because they're going to catch balls. For sure, now. 100%. Um, I think Joe Flacco is going to complete a lot more passes to Jets wide receivers than Zach Wilson or any Jets quarterback in the next five years. Quickly, Javante Williams or A.J. Brown? Additionally, additionally, Javante Williams or Cooper Cup? Oh, Cooper Cups. Okay, you're going to take Cooper Cup, even though he's 29? Yeah, 29, that's fine. Okay. Because he'll play play four more years. All right. Like I said, this is is me having the three-year turnover. So when I look at my team, yeah, Mike Evans, I think is going to be off my team in the next year or two. Javante Um, Williams or Jalen Waddell? Oh, wait, who was the first one? Javante Williams or Jalen Waddle? See, probably, honestly, Javante. Okay. Because I think I think Javante is a top five, two of the next five years. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a league winner to me. Right. Um, Jalen Waddle, I think he could go anywhere from being a top 10 receiver to being a 45th or 50th. Okay, so back to the initial one, Javante Williams or A.J. Brown? And see, yeah, that's a stickler. Because I, I would take A.J. Brown over Waddle just because of the floor. Right. I don't think the ceiling is as high, but the floor is definitely 100 targets a year, 1,000 um, yards. Yeah. Um, man, I probably – I would probably lean Javante, but I think – like just like, like you said, in a vacuum, I think A.J. Brown is the smarter value. And then last one, Javante Williams or DeAndre Swift? I'm going to go Williams just because – I just hate that he's been fumbling lately, though. If if the fumbling becomes an issue, that's that's where people are going to lose Javante. Do you think that the Broncos coaching staff is okay with being him, uh, having him be a bell cow after Melvin moves on? Because that's really absolutely. what it's all about. Okay, cool. Yep, absolutely. Because, I, like you said, I think Melvin's showing him the way of like, hey, when I was in San Diego or L.A., wherever he ended up with the Chargers – um, I can't remember his running mate. Was it Eckler at the time, too? Yeah, it was, actually. You're right. So uh, Melvin kind of can say, hey, I remember my first three or four years when it was just me, but I also know what it's like to have a tandem. And I don't know. I think Melvin Gordon's a, a super good professional. I think him and Melvin have the A.J. Dillon 
uh, Aaron Jones kind of friendship uh, in the running back room. So I think once he leaves, I think Javante honestly is only going to get better. Perfect. So let's let's segue into the next dynasty trade option, which is another tight end versus um, another tight end comparison, uh, which yeah. I think really comes comes down to where you are in your specific dynasty league currently and where you want to go. The next yep. the next comparison is Mark Andrews versus Kyle Pitts. Okay, so yeah. if we're talking about last week, for example, Mark Andrews blows Kyle Pitts out of the water. Mark Andrews is 26. Kyle Pitts is 21. Mark Andrews is a, an established tight end who has an established quarterback who loves him, who gave yeah. him 13 targets last week, nine catches, 100, over 100 yards, and a score. Kyle Pitts looks lost sometimes because of Marcus Mariota. So in the next three to five years, Tubbs, who do you like better, Mark Andrews or Kyle Pitts? And you're like you said, win now or I'm at that midpoint where Kyle Pitts is just an absolute anchor. I I'm still gonna obviously do Andrews just because I know I know he's gonna be top three the next three years. Um now years four and five, hitting ages thirty, thirty one, that's a complete toss up. Um that's I mean, I think thirty is kind of the golden number of if you've had a sustained almost decade worth of success. I mean, you really have tapped out and we thank you for your service. Um, so I think honestly, I would, yeah, I would still go uh, Andrews for, for the next at least three years. Pitts, I just, it's, it goes back to just the offense. And honestly, the defenses that Atlanta plays, I mean, four games out of the year, you have the Buccaneers and Saints. And um, I just think having those two defenses in your division is extremely brutal. Um and then, I mean, the AFC North, I mean, that's a lot of smash-mouth football. Andrews can gobble up 15 targets and have, you know, 10 catches for 60 yards and a touchdown. And um, I just don't think Pitts is going to necessarily have that, that leisure. What do you think Pitts' ceiling is? Because I, in, 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 a, in a world, I can see him with London. Maybe, maybe Ridley comes back. Who knows? Ridley, Possibly. Ridley and London on the outside. And Pitts, obviously, like in the slot or coming off the line. I can see mm-hmm. him have Mark Andrews' numbers. Mark Andrews last year had about 1,200 yards, 10, 10 touchdowns, and like 90, yep. 90 catches. I can see that. So Absolutely. I think, it really, I think it really comes down to, for example, for me, in, in, in the Dynasty League right now, I, I consider myself a contender this year. I have Mark Andrews on the team. I don't mm-hmm. think, as to Tubbs' point, I don't think I would trade Mark Andrews today for Kyle Pitts. However, no. you would have to think about what the future has because Kyle Pitts can be Tony Gonzalez. You know, you, you, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility just because I know how good he is. But, again... Let me ask you, do you think the next three to five years that there's an, another Kyle Pitts that comes out of college that's draftable? I don't. I don't think there's somebody okay. who's, who's so that's, compared, that's, who's that's where we differentiate. Because I, really? I think there might be another, whatever, first-round talent that you could say, hey, they're going to have but 850 f- yards and six touchdowns. They may not have 1,010. But fourth overall pick, bro. I know. Fourth overall pick. They did that for a reason, uh-huh. you know? Like, that's the guy for them forever. Yeah. But moving forward, let's we're, we're, we're running on time here. We're, we're, me and Tubbs love each other and talking about football. We're already at 53 minutes, so let's keep on going here. The next one is going to be A.J. Dillon versus Nick Chubb. 
I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go AJ Dillon here. I'm gonna go AJ Dillon here, and I might be wrong because I understand that Aaron Jones just signed a signed a contract. I understand mm-hmm. that Aaron Jones just ran for a hundred plus yards and two touchdowns. I understand all of that. Nick Chubb is potentially the best pure runner besides Jonathan Taylor that we have, but the key differentiator for me is age and passing ability, pass catching ability. AJ Dillon has surprised me as a Packer fan with the amount of catches that he can get, even when the pass is a little off. You know, AJ Dillon has hands. Okay, mm-hmm. Nick Chubb is a little bit more dimensional. Kareem Hunt is no slouch. Aaron Jones is no slouch. However, yeah. if somebody offered me A.J. Dillon for Nick Chubb tomorrow, I would have to seriously consider it if I was trying to compete with a young team in the next two to three years. Tubbs, I think yeah. you might disagree. Nah. No. Not at all. It's the same thing. I mean... Like you said, would you take Delvin Cook and Nick Chubb for Javante and AJ Dillon? Like that's that sounds almost like unfathomable. Like it's it's a no brainer. You would obviously take the youth, um, AJ Dillon especially. Like you said, the talent is undeniable. Being homers a little bit. I mean, the way that you see him run, I just feel like is more lively as well. Nick Chubb, I feel like is just very no pun intended. Jim Brown of just like knowing the hole and just hitting it. I don't see a lot of creativity in his running. Um, he just, like I said, he just puts the shoulder pads down and just bulldozes forward. Um, so obviously, like like his floor, but once again, I mean, A.J. Dillon, I think, is honestly a seven-year left-in-the-tank back. Let's go um, Let's go some comparisons here, Tubbs. I'm going to give you a couple for both. I'm going to give you sure. both Nick Chubb for... This is strictly in a vacuum. Trade today. Would mm-hmm. you take Nick Chubb or Austin Eckler? And, or would you take A.J. Dillon or Travis Etienne? Wow. I, I like the Dillon-Etienne comparison a lot more than I like the Eckler-Chubb. I, just because, of course, with receiving-wise, Eckler seems to have the more explosiveness, okay. um, the offense he's in. Um, he has been having a few know. slower games to start the season here. Yeah, I'm, I'm not that bothered by that, though. Okay. I mean, Eckler. it's not like Isaiah Spiller's really been gobbling things up or Joshua Kelly's really dug in too much. I mean, they haven't made a strong enough impression to really be like, oh, this could this could be something. Sure. I mean, Kareem Hunt could very easily have a super hot game and they just rest Chubb and they just say, hey, you're having a sore knee. Kareem Hunt's going 10 for 95 yards and a touchdown. Right. Let's just give you six touches today. All right, so let's go A.J. Dillon and Travis Etienne, both because they're kind of a change of pace backs. James Robinson is not going away in Jacksonville. And obviously Aaron Jones had a great game on uh, Sunday night. To me, this goes back to college chemistry. Um, Okay. This is, I mean, I'm sure Trevor Lawrence and Etienne have a good relationship. I just... I don't really – I mean, there's a stat of, like, him scoring the most touchdowns in college over his four-year career. I think it was, like, 78 touchdowns or something like that. Um, our great our great research crew here getting these <laughs> super, super concrete facts down. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, I mean, his obviously his touchdown production seems tasty. I'm not sure if it has translated to the NFL, honestly, um, just because, obviously, I know with him missing all – his rookie season, I don't really know um, 
I, I honestly haven't watched the Jaguars first snap this season, so I have no idea what he's looked like. But, I mean, just like I said, just based off of what he did in college, I mean, obviously A.J. Dillon being the all-time leader rusher in uh, Boston College history, yep. we've seen him translate, I guess, more in the NFL. So, I, once again, safety net, I would go A.J. Dillon. Um, but as far as possibly hitting more of a jackpot, I think – I think Etienne is probably the more explosive guy. Right, right, for sure. I, I, I totally agree with those sentiments. We'll go into the next one, and this is going to be the second to last one. Keep listening, everybody. Thanks for listening to Buddies. Uh, me and Tubbs are having a great time over here, and I know that you are too. Yeah. Let's do Cortland Sutton, 26-year-old wide receiver out of Denver, against versus who would you rather have, Gabriel Davis, Buffalo, 23 years old. I'll start. I'm all over the Gabriel Davis train. I'm totally, I am totally over him. I love the guy. I think that he's a stud. Uh, I know that Tubbs is going to disagree. It's nice to disagree sometimes so we can hear different perspectives. Gabriel For Davis, sure. yeah, okay. Steph Diggs is going to be the number one unquestioned target in Buffalo. But there's enough to go around. Josh Allen can, can, can throw the rock. It's obvious Isaiah McKenzie and Josh Crowder, or J- Jamison Crowder, excuse me, are not really part of the overall game plan. Isaiah McKenzie was technically the number two wide receiver last night and only had three targets. Jake Kumaro is out there in uh, Gabriel Davis's spot. You saw Josh Allen look for and find Gabriel Davis on a number of occasions in week one. Had a, touch, had a long touchdown. He's shifty. He's a bigger uh, wide receiver. He's got a little bulk on him, which kind of can can uh, you know move move around some cornerbacks, if you will. Cortland Sutton's the bigger guy, but in a dynasty league, somebody who's shown this much promise at this young of an age, I really think that I would take Gabriel Davis over Cortland Sutton in a one to one right now, because I think that he's going to probably have a couple years on Cortland, and I think that the quarterback plays much better. Tough. Much better. Because where do you have Russell then? Obviously, Allen's one or two for the next 10 years. Russell's probably somewhere in the 8 to 10 range. I think that probably, if I were to give a number to Wilson, I would give him probably quarterback 9, and I would give Allen quarterback 1, probably. Yep. No, I, I, I think Mahomes actually is going to struggle a little bit without Tyreek. I think that's sure. going to be a learning curve. Obviously, Allen is hitting right in stride. I mean, I think this is Allen's best or second best year. I could see next year also being right. uh, a number one year for, for Allen. Um, <laughs> as far as Davis and Sutton, um, cheese and rice. I just I just don't think I know enough about Gabe Davis, honestly. Okay. I just know right. what I've seen from Sutton, and it's just, like you said, his size and just You've just seen the Lockett Metcalf thing in Seattle with Russ. Obviously, very similar situation, I think, with him and Judy. Um, Gabe Davis, like you said, I just, how many miles can Buffalo feed? And right. Allen is really good at distributing. I mean, like you said, Kumaro had, what, three catches for 50 yards? Something like that, yeah. He was, he was actually. probably want to have three catches, 50 yards in the next six games. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so for me, it's just more so of actually the Mahomes syndrome of two years ago when he had Demarcus Robinson, when he had McCole Hardman, when he had, I don't even know, Justin Watson. I mean, it's just, just such a beret of just like, seven no-namers that are going to steal two to three touchdowns a year. Um, I just, 
If Gabe Davis averaged, I would say, 95 targets with this Bills offense, and if that's what you would project, I mean, I think Gabe Davis, what we saw in the playoff game last year, was very much like, hey, him and Josh Allen can be in sync, and when they are, it's dangerous. Um, Let's go so to I the- just don't know. Yeah, I don't know what his boomer bust is. Is he pretty consistent? I mean, how many targets did he get uh, yesterday? Yeah, he was out. Like, he was out yesterday. So he. Oh, that's why. Okay. Yeah, he wasn't playing yesterday. the The first game, he had seven targets, five catches, eighty six yards, and go. a touchdown. So not elite by any means, but definitely a number two option on one of the best offenses in football, who is technically supposed to be a Super Bowl winner. I'm going Gabe Davis. Cortland Sutton, obviously a great player. Um, let's go into the last uh, trade for Dynasty, and we're going to do some quarterbacks this time. And I'm going to actually change it up. I'm yeah. going to give us three, okay? So initially Ooh. it was going to be Kyler versus Jalen Hurts. I'm going to throw another one in there just for conversation's sake. Yeah. And we're going to do Kyler Murray versus Jalen Hurts versus Joe Burrow, okay? I'll go first. I think this is hard for me. This, this one's probably the toughest that we've discussed, now, I'm yeah. going to rank them. I'm going to go Jalen 1. I'm going to go Kyler 2 and Joe 3. And the reasoning behind that is because every I think I think intangibles have a place in football. I think a chip on a shoulder has a place in football. I think mm-hmm. until the beginning of this year nobody gave a shit or nobody thought that Jalen Hurts could play in the NFL. I right. Just, I just don't, and I think a lot of people were poo-pooing him for, you know, going from OU to Alabama, coming in, not having a whole lot of arm accuracy. Yep. And he's proven everyone wrong. From a di- yeah. Specifically from a dynasty standpoint, he is young, he has legs, and yesterday can show that he can put the ball between the numbers, okay? Definitely. He is, he might have a little bit of weird mechanics, from what I saw, he doesn't have like a hitch, but it's a little bit of a slower release than some of the mm-hmm. elite guys. But he's putting it on these receivers. He started 11 for 11 last night. He yeah. ran. And when he runs, he doesn't give up. If you saw that no. second touchdown run that he had, he was dead to rights. Did he literally little... glided six yards out. It was the most incredible, just like it half was. spin move and just fell in. It was awesome. It was. It was great. It was fantastic. And so that's why Jalen's my number one. I think he's got the weapons around him now. I think, you know, uh, both Miles and Kenneth can, can catch balls out of the backfield. Kenneth on third downs. A.J. Brown is obviously an elite wide receiver. Devontae Smith was a Heisman winner. I mean, he's got Goddard, not even to mention Goddard. Goddard's great out of as a, as a third option maybe sometimes. And, I, you know, I just really think that he is he's the best out of those. Now, I'm going to go to Kyler next. And the performance that he put on on Sunday was nothing short of miraculous. He willed his team to victory with multiple rushes, multiple extending the plays. Multiple, pretty much everything, and he doesn't even have some of his best wide receivers. DeAndre's not playing right now. He's thrown to, you know, Greg Dortch and A.J. Green and some of these other guys that might not be household names, and he's still making it happen. The first week, obviously, was pretty bad against the Chiefs, but he came back and, and responded. And third for me is Joe. Joe doesn't have the legs and the opportunity to get points on the ground as much as the other two guys. He just went yep. to the Super Bowl, so he has Higgins and Jamar Chase. Dude can put up 500 passing yards in a blink of a hat. But even if you pass for 300 passing y- or 500 passing yards, 
you know, Kyler or Jalen can do 300 passing yards, run for another 75, and score one more touchdown on the ground, and it's a wash. And that's, for Joe, a 500-yard game is the max, and Jalen Hurts did that basically in the first half last night. So that's why my rankings fall the way they do. Tubbs, let me, let me hear what you got. I was just going to say, just to actually add it on the other side now, is there that much of a gap between Lamar, um, Hurts, and Murray? You know, I would say that Lamar overall in ADP or consensus rankings, Lamar is probably the third quarterback, fourth quarterback yeah. behind behind Allen, Herbert, and Mahomes. So I would say that Lamar Jackson is closer to in terms of, you know, like trade value to a C.D. Lamb, a Devontae Adams, a T. Higgins, whereas some of these other, the guys that we're comparing now, Kyler, Jalen, and, and Burrow, kind of fall within that Gabriel Davis, Cortland Sutton range for trade value. Whoa, 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 wait. You would trade Gabe Davis or Sutton for Hurts or... That's not right, is it? If I had... If I had Hurts... You wouldn't trade him for Gabe Davis. I, I might, yeah, I might. No! I might, yeah. I think so. Oh my, Lanta. That might be the hottest <laughs> sauce stick on this on this pod so far. What what the dickens? You're talking about having a top five quarterback for the next seven years and Gabe Davis is the number two behind Stephon Diggs? I think quarterbacks are more close in their production than right. a replacement player for wide receiver. So I think the gap is bigger between... Like Kyler Murray and let's just say. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna narrow it down this way. Okay. I think you're right for the whole spectrum, okay. but not in the top five of their position. So okay. the top five quarterbacks have, I would say, probably a 20% margin between the fifth best quarterback and the 12th best quarterback, where, say, the top 20th receiver is gonna have a 10% margin of their points to like wide receiver 35 okay so who would you take Jalen Waddle or Justin Herbert no Herbert all day okay so would you take Herbert or Javante Williams Herbert okay so you're basically putting quarterbacks at the top because of the, the, top of the, the way that I'm looking at it now seeing how I flopped on my team and I'm taking a one-year rental on old-ass Tom Brady like because <laughs> I mean I, I don't even remember who my quarterbacks were before this year Taylor Heineke Carson Wentz and I can't even remember who the other quarterback was. So, but I take, have three quarterbacks that are barely starting now. So. Would you take Herbert or DeAndre Swift? Did you say DeAndre Swift? Yeah, or Herbert. I would go Herbert. Okay, so Jamar Chase or Herbert? Herbert. See, I think okay, honestly, so, only, so basically, the only wide receiver I think would be Jonathan Taylor and Justin Jefferson. Okay. Otherwise, between Herbert, Mahomes, Allen, I think those are top three pick locks. You're good for a decade. So what I need you to do is I need you to go out and get Jonathan Taylor, and I need you to trade him for me to me <laughs> for Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> anyway, but let's go back to hey. let's go back to your rankings. Those, those top three guys. Who who would you take number one? Number one overall. Uh, Herb, or I mean, sorry, we're doing Hertz, Murray, and Burrow. Oh, no, you, you had it right. See, because that's why I threw Lamar in the mix, too, because I was gotcha. trying to see what your, what your difference between Lamar and Hertz 
Maria, because to me, Hertz and Murray are almost a toss up. Okay. Um, I would still prefer Hertz just because I think this year he is taking that step and he's kind of grabbing the bull by the horns and, like you said, playing with that chip on his shoulder. Um, with Kyler, I just, it's just so wishy washy. I think he's just like, I want to say bipolar, but like, just in the fact of like, you know, he'll be pouty on the bench one day, he'll make right. miraculous plays one time. I mean, it's just, just too much wishy washiness where Jalen, you know he's competitive. He comes to work every day. Like you said, mechanics maybe not quite there, but Nick Sirianni, Nick Sirianni has put him in a position to succeed, and he believes in him, and that's that's the most important part. Awesome. Um, awesome. What would I say? Um, but then, like I said, on the flip side, uh, yeah, Lamar, I would say, is probably a good three to five picks ahead of those guys. Um, to me, the difference between Murray and Hurts and Burrow Honestly, I don't know if I'm taking Burrow in the top 50 picks, honestly. Okay. All right. Um, one, because of history and – oh, go back. Go ahead. One last, who would you rather before mm-hmm. we head into the DFS picks? And that is going to be Tyreek Hill or Joe Mixon, Dynasty, and rest of year. Golly. Tyre- Mixon or Hill, huh? Tyreek or Joe Mixon, yep. Man, honestly, I would probably go Tyreek because with McDaniel's down there, um, the dude. I mean, he was he was a coordinator for Niners for X amount of time, just learning under Shanahan, and yeah. um, I forgot the other offensive group he was under that was uh, like a top five offense. I mean, the dude has just been around smart football people. Yeah. Um, and obviously, as you've seen with the Andy Reid tree, with the Sean McVay tree, I mean, it just. There's just so many different, I guess, foundations I think offenses are are based off of in the league. And with how much speed they have on that team, I just I just think Tyreek does have the higher and more consistent ceiling where Mixon, I think in two years he could be done. I think I think Tyreek's got three. Awesome. Awesome. Sounds good. Let's go into D- DFS for week three. I'm going to go through my picks. DFS, of course, is daily fantasy and we're going to go through i'm going to go through what i would pick and actually what i am picking this upcoming week uh for the big old jackpot and some things that i think that you might have uh some options for if you want to go for certain people in their price ranges and then tubs will go through what he is thinking too so i'm gonna go i'm gonna give you two options for a stack right 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 away i'm gonna go i'm gonna give you options for the the Derek Carr and Devontae Adams stack. Derek Carr currently going for 5,900. Adams at 8,400. Or the Jalen Hurts, the, the aforementioned uh, Jalen Hurts, and uh, A.J. Brown stack. Uh, Hurts is at 7,600, and A.J. Brown is at 7,300. So you're going to pay a little bit more for the Hurts A.J. Brown stack. However, I think you really could pay off there. I think Carr is really undervalued this week, especially going up against a, a pretty bad defense. And then after those stacks, I'm going to go Mixon. Um, I'm all over Mixon this year. I think his, his volume is just off the charts. Yeah, he's at 7,600. I'm going to throw a dart throw at ETN for 5,400. I know that James Robinson is there. I think that it's only a matter of time until ETN gets going. I think that he's explosive, as, as we talked earlier and if he does hit it could be one of those dart throws that really pays off in dfs so that means i'm going to have to go a little bit lower on my other two wide receiver uh, options for this year i'm going to go with greg dorch at 4300 
Dortch, without DeAndre Hopkins, has been targeted early and often. I think that he is shifty. He's fast. He can he can do a, a variety of things out of the slot, and he's at 4,300 right now. Zay Jones is at 4,000 this week. Zay Jones is one of uh, Trevor Lawrence's favorite targets so far this year. I think that if Christian Kirk is bottled up by the number one uh, cornerback, that Zay Jones can get a little bit loose. He could have up to 10 targets, maybe uh, catch a touchdown. You're really banking on a touchdown with Zay Jones. I think that his floor is pretty high, maybe anywhere from six to eight points. But if he gets in the end zone, you could really um, get up there with Zay Jones. My tight end pick is going to have to be really low if I go with those stacks and those kind of higher-end running backs this week, and I'm going to go with Juwan Johnson. Juwan Johnson obviously is the better tight end over Adam Troutman over in New Orleans. He's being targeted quite a bit by Jameis Winston, and for 2900 I think that's a, a decent pick, which allows me then to take DeAndre Swift as my flex. DeAndre Swift only had five carries last week. I don't know if he was on a pitch count because of his uh, small injury. Uh, Jamal Williams is there. Jamal Williams is effective. He gets good runs. He's a very valuable back, but I think that if Swift has elite usage, that this could really turn the tide. So um, my my overall pick is going to be the Car Adam stack, Mixon, Travis Etienne, Greg Dortch, Zay Jones, Juwan Johnson, and DeAndre Swift. Tubbs up, you're up. Beautiful. Uh, going to wrap this up. Yeah, obviously, Dave and I agree with the uh, Raiders scoring points uh, in Tennessee. Obviously, we just saw them just get landslid by the Bills. <laughs> um, so I got Derek Carr and Waller for the stack. Um, for running backs, I'm actually going to try to take a little value here with uh, Damian Pierce. Um, I just think Lovey Smith going against his old team in Chicago. Um, he obviously showcased Pierce uh, this past week with 15 carries. Um, I just think it's kind of a, you know, hey, this is this is Lovey game, and I think Damian Pierce is going to benefit from it. Um, I like the, the um, over for uh, the Minnesota and Detroit game. Obviously, I think fireworks are going to fly uh, – Justin Jefferson is going to go off. Uh, I think Jamal Williams also plays a good role in this game. So um, that's who I'm going with for a running back and receiver. Uh, to wrap up the rest of the receiving crew, uh, I got Christian Kirk. Obviously, he's just been a target machine. Uh, kind of like Zay Jones having his t- uh, touchdown opportunity. I think uh, between the 20s, Christian Kirk is just going to just eat it up alive. So uh, look for that against the Chargers. And then... Honestly, I thought the Allen Robinson-Stafford connection was going to be hotter coming out of the gates. Slowly developed, but that's why you get him for uh, $5,700. Um, and against Arizona, honestly, I haven't seen anything in their secondary uh, to really give me too much of a of a pause for for any threat of, um, of Robinson not seeing some action. Um, and honestly, I'm going to double-stack tight ends for my flex. Uh, Gerald Everett, same thing. Um, I know he was a lot of sleepers for ESPN, Matthew Berry, as far as uh, being productive tight ends this year. And um, I think talent-wise, he's, he's definitely got it. And, of course, going against Jacksonville, uh, you're bound to be able to gobble against them. Yep. Now, this is where I might get kicked in the nuts. Uh, <laughs> I got the Commanders. Now, we all know how much I hate the NFC East for fantasy relevancy of any sort. I just think you just obviously can't rely on them consistently. So I think... The Eagles are flying high, and I think Coach Rivera just schemes up some some different looks and uh, gets at Jalen Hurts, and um, I think somehow the Commanders uh, just kind of have one of those, you know, what-the-hell-happened games. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Also, for Tubbs, he's interested in Justin Watson this week, uh, coming out of the, the gates hot the last couple weeks. I'm sad yeah. it's over, Tubbs. 
I'm sad it's over, but it was fun hanging out with you for a little bit. We went a little Beautiful, over dude. as we uh, thought we might. But if anybody made it all the way to the end, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back next week. We're going to try to bring on somebody from the Dynasty League next week as well. And Absolutely. we'll talk to somebody who scores a lot of points this week and see what the hell they're thinking and if we can steal any of their uh, their thoughts. <laughs> All right. some competitive advantage, yeah. Yeah, you got it. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week with another episode of Buddies. Take care. All right, bye, buddy. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>